Our scripture lesson for today, the second Sunday in Lent, comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4a. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. The word of the Lord. May the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There's a TV show that my wife and I have started watching recently. It's called Longmire. You can find it on Netflix. It's a pretty great show. It's one of those procedural murder mystery shows. Now, it's based around a guy who's a county sheriff in Wyoming. And Emily and I joke that that must be the worst county possible to live in because someone gets killed there every single week. Every week, without fail. I shouldn't joke about it, but that's the joke that we make. But what's interesting about it is it gives the sheriff, Sheriff Longmire, it gives him the opportunity to be heroic every single week. He has to use his mind, he has to solve it, he has to be the hero every week. And the show's named after him, so you know that's what's gonna happen. But I'm gonna compare that with something different. A movie that has nothing to do with Longmire at all, It's weird that I'm even going to bring it up in church. If you've seen the movie, you'll know why. Deadpool. Some of you laughing out there know, boy, that is polar opposite. But there's a moment in that movie that I love, and it's kind of the opposite of being the hero all the time. And there's this one character, he's from Russia. I'm not going to do the accent, but he makes a quote as he's trying to teach the main guy how to be a hero. He says, four or five moments. That's all it takes to be a hero. Everyone thinks it's a full-time job. You wake up a hero. You brush your teeth a hero. You go to work a hero. Not true. Over a lifetime, there are only four or five moments that really matter. Moments when you are offered a choice to make a sacrifice, to conquer a fear, to save a friend or spare an enemy. In these moments, everything else falls away. I think the lesson that we featured today out of Genesis is one of those moments for Abram. Not so much the chance to be heroic, but simply one of those moments when he's given a choice, a choice by God and a choice that requires great courage. Now, we're early on in Genesis. We're very early on in the whole story. And if you know how Genesis starts, we've got the creation of the world. And from there, we have the fall of humanity And then humanity kind of spreads out and God gets a little miffed. We have that whole flood with Noah thing. Then God starts over and people start to spread again. And from there, chapter 11, right before what I read today, is a genealogy. We go from the son of Noah all the way down through the generations until we get to a guy named Terah. Now, Terah is the father of Abram. And he's kind of a big deal over in what we call Mesopotamia, a long ways away from the Holy Land, but in this area called Ur of the Chaldeans. That's where they're from. Now, he's in charge of a pretty big group of people. We hear about his household, which would have been probably more like a tribe. Everyone was pretty tribal in those days. He could maybe be considered like a warlord. That probably wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility of how we could describe this guy. But he's kind of a big deal father of Abram, and then Abram's got two brothers as well. 
One of his brothers, when the story picks up, has already died, but he's got a, he's got a son, this, this nephew named Lot. We'll hear more about him later. And this is the family. This is the family of Abram. Abram's the oldest. That makes him the heir to his father, Terah. Kind of a big deal. The, the heirs would inherit everything. They would get all the power, all the authority, all the wealth, all of that would go to Abram as the heir. But we also hear right before our reading picks up that Abram is married, his wife Sarai, or Sarah as we come to know her later. We hear right away that she's barren, that there are no children. Abram has no children, therefore he has no heir. And since his middle brother doesn't have any either, the next in line is Lot. This is the family dynamic that we're dealing with. We got dad, who's kind of a big deal. And then we've got Abram, who's going to be a big deal. And then we've got nephew, Lot, who could potentially be a big deal. This is a traveling family. Now, everyone was pretty nomadic at the, that time. But at one point, Tara says, you know, I think we're going to go this direction. And they follow the rivers, and they go a ways. And they end up around this community called Haran. And that's where they settle. And they've lived there for a long time. And it's at that point when they're in Haran where this call of God comes from. I wonder what it would have been like. Was Abram just out there like, Abram, dude. Dude. No, it probably wasn't like that. I don't know what it was like. But this call of God comes. Abram, I want you to leave everything you know. Leave behind your country, the place that's familiar to you. Leave behind your kin, this tribe that you're a part of, these people that give you stability, these people that give you safety, safety in numbers, everything that you're aware of, and also leave your father's house. And I want you to go, and I'm not gonna tell you where. And I'm sure Abraham was like, yeah, that sounds like a horrible idea. But that's not what happens. We hear that Abraham or, well, yeah, he becomes Abraham, same name. He trusts God and all of this happens. But think about everything that he was leaving behind. Everything that was familiar, the place that he knew, all these people that he knew, and not to mention the household. Now he was the heir, he would have inherited everything. He would have gotten all of the wealth, all of the authority over this tribe that his father has, all of the power and prestige, all of this stuff, all of this stuff that probably gives him a sense of self, this identity that he has, God is asking him to leave all of that behind and just trust that it's all gonna work out. Now, God's not telling him where to go, just basically go that direction. He has no idea where he's going and no one that he's ever encountered before has ever been there. Think about our ancestors who came as I look around, we probably all have European heritage here. At some point, they said, okay, we're going to leave what we know and we're going to cross the ocean, we're going to go to America. But people had gone first. It's not like they were blazing the trail. That's not the case for Abram. Where God is asking him to go, he has no idea where it's at. No one's ever been there. It might as well be going to the moon at that point. But that's what God is asking. There's one more thing, though, that I think is important for us to remember. Remember, Abram has no heir. He has no children. And in those days, the ongoing family, the ongoing name was so vital to them. It's vital their, to their culture, something that is still the case for the Jewish faith now today. But he's got no children, so there's a sense of hopelessness. 
And at this point, Abram's already old. He's already like 75 years old. If he was going to have kids, he's going to have kids. And there isn't. So God is not only asking him to leave behind what is familiar and safe, but also perhaps this sense of despair, this sense of hopelessness. God's asking him to leave that behind, and we find that in the promise. Go to the place where I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Your descendants will be great. I will bless you. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. God makes this promise of all these things that God will do. Abram just has to trust. He has to be courageous. He has to be brave, because I'm sure he was scared out of his mind to think about leaving everything that he knows behind and step out into the unknown. But how many of us can relate to that? I'm sure we've all had those four or five moments, haven't we? Those times in our lives where we feel it in our gut, I've got to do this. I've got to leave behind what I know to be safe and easy and familiar and the place where I know. And maybe it takes a lot of different, a different styles or it, it manifests in your lives differently. Maybe it's been a move across the country. Maybe it's been leaving behind a job that you're established in and it's, it seems like, well, this is okay, but, but I'm going to try something new. Maybe it's college students who are going halfway across the country. Shay, I'm looking at you. You only went a couple hours. You didn't go very far. There's countless different ways. God calls us into things, not because they are easy, but sometimes I think just to spite us. God's wondering, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust that I will do what I say I'm going to do and that I will bless you and I will be with you whether it seems like it or not? That seems to be the case for Abram today. And I think that we've got lots and lots of examples, both within our own lives as well as people that we can look at people throughout history that have done courageous things. You know, I mentioned going to the moon before. Imagine being the guy who went to the moon. I'm going to leave the planet and go in space. You suppose he was scared? I'm imagining so. Worked out okay, but he didn't know it at the time. And there's all sorts of different examples that we can take if we just look at the world that's around us. Now, the real takeaway from this whole thing is the promise of God, the promise I will be with you. Abram has to be courageous and, and believe the promise, but the action is all happening on the part of God. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless the people who bless you. I will curse the people who curse you. The action is all going to happen on the part of God. And this is the same for us when we think about our faith. When we think about whatever this salvation is that we talk about through Jesus. I love the reading from John that Nancy shared with us today. I love it because it includes John 3:16, one of the best known verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, will have salvation. But what's important to remember is it doesn't stop there because chapter seven, not chapter, verse 17 is important. God did not send the son into the world to condemn it, but that the world might be saved through him. Whatever this faith thing is, whatever this salvation thing is, whatever it is that God is up to in the world that he invites us into through Jesus, the action is not on our part. We simply believe that God is going to do what God says and that God has already done what he promised through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I hope that we can hold on to that and remember when we're faced with difficult decisions, those difficult moments in life where we're called and we feel that stirring in our guts that I need to do this. I don't know how it's going to turn out, 
but I feel like I need to. Maybe that's that nudge that God is up there going, dude, or dudette. God's equal opportunity like that. God calls us into these moments. We need courage because it's scary. But may we all trust that when we take that step, when we act out in our faith, that God will meet us there because God is calling us into places where God already is. Amen? Amen.